0: Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Welcome to the 7th edition of the Truth to Power show. I'm your host, VJR Nathan, and this is Radio Free Brooklyn. Today's guest is Micah Zevin, poet and librarian, and we're going to be discussing how the medium is the message in his poetry, and we're going to get further commentary on how the personal is political in this conversation, so please stay tuned. Thank you. All right, so we're here with uh, Micah Zevin, a poet and librarian, and he's going to be reading a little bit of his work before we start our conversation. Um, This first one's called Ode to Walls, a disinformation campaign. The wall will make us great
1: climbers with rope again. The walls will actually be fences, which are already there and dividing us. Now they'll be electrified. The walls will be painted rainbows to show it is not actually a wall, but a celebration of diversity, our differences. The wall will bring back the jobs and keep the criminals from taking them away while the construction workers get paid to boil them. The wall will be a mall where you will buy all products now made in this country with your newfound income stream. The wall is going to be the greatest deal of greatest deals ever to be made, the biggest and the bestest investment ever. Until we ship, crawling up walls will be forever. The wall will feed us when we are starving. In the desert of our unshifting lives, trapped in that swamp of our paradigms, the wall is a program to make us learn to be self-sufficient and succeed without the interference of other people, other countries. The wall is fire and water. One puts the other out. The wall is stiff and detached and has no empathy. The Wall is a secret passage out of the simulation of our lives and into a sanctuary away from the drugs and the violence that dominates the news and the world. The Wall is a force field one can hide behind. The Wall is a sheet that covers our faces so that we cannot be exposed by secret services. The Wall is the call you don't want to answer, and it won't stop after it's built. It will or won't transform itself into a beautiful quilt of stars and stripes. It will teach your guilt how to fight.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, um, we're here with Micah Zaman, a Portland librarian, and uh, why don't we start off by talking a little bit about your life and uh, where you were born, where you grew up. I grew up in um, Rigo Park, Queens, and
1: um, I went to um, Russell Sage Junior High and Forest Hills High School. Um, my parents are both, uh, my dad's a history professor, and my mom was a lifelong history teacher. My dad actually still is teaching, although he may retire soon. And so, like a lot of my early upbringing, was informed by lots of vacations that have to do with history. Mm-hmm. Where they would use the vacation as a way of researching for lesson plans and making slideshows and everything. Like you go to museums. Like other people go to beaches, we would rarely go to beaches and lie down. We would, it would always be some sort of exploration, a museum or a national park or.
0: Was there one in particular that really reminds you or really, uh, remember that struck with you?
1: Well, um, we went to Europe a lot when I was young, so that's like something that uh, it was very good for me in a way, but I, maybe I didn't appreciate it as much, but we would go to a lot of places in France. My parents would rent like country ho- homes in the countryside, even though I wouldn't say their French was fluent, and we would live in some small town maybe near Rouen or mm-hmm. Chart some, like, small town I can't name, and we would have, you know, like, they'd deliver bread to your mailbox, like a baguette would be in your mailbox in the morning, that kind of thing, and so, yeah, and then we'd go to these churches, and my mom would take pictures of uh, stained glass windows, and she'd do slideshows, so that's, like, that was some of the, you know, like, I had a lot of good exposure to culture and the arts at a young age. My parents would take me to a lot of, uh, Weird art movies, because they would sign up for like the Lincoln Center Film Festival. I remember mm-hmm. from an early age, and you know, opera or ballet or thing. Um, Lincoln uh, the Jazz Lincoln Center Jazz for Kids, like where Wynton Marsalis would be doing that. So they uh, also a little bit of the beat. They had a little bit of the beatnik. You know, Pete. Se- they were into Pete Seeger, and we would go to that festival, the Hudson Clearwater mm-hmm. thing, and
0: you see all those old timers. Great, great. So, uh, so these are <clears throat> well great uh, foundational influences, you know, that led you towards the path you're on now, and kind of gave of gave you a sense of the culture of the world and in Europe and in America too. Um, so now, how did you start to get into writing, or how did you start? It was well, something. Well, writing
1: was with? like, I'm, yeah. I mean. I, I vaguely remember when I was at my... There was a camp at Queen's College, and there was a camp for... I, I did... I, at some point, I did baseball camp, but even before that, there was some sort of creative camp for, I guess, uh, nerdy kids like myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not nerdy in like the comic book fan sense, just sort of yeah. like... I quiet... I read books and by myself, and I would just make up stuff. I would have, like, you know, on car trips or... But there, I was started writing my own stories. I would make up like uh, my version of, I make up my own Transformers, for example, or uh, take a stories that i would written by, like maybe I started reading E. B. White, and I'd take like a uh, write a story about a seagull and make it my own, or yeah. you know, I'd make I turn utensils on the kitchen table into Transformers, yeah, and gosh. or make, uh, make up my own songs for like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, and that yeah. kind that kind of that kind of stuff, obsession with the... Yeah, like, I uh, shared a
0: story on Bushwick Junction last week where uh, I talked about in fourth grade I wrote a uh, fan fiction kind of a piece on the Wizard of Oz series, so uh-huh. similar kind of journey I've had with reading and then writing stuff that was inspired by or informed by the fandoms right. that we had at that right. age. So what age was this when you were you saying it was, you in, the right, I was
1: a early, early in the right... was early teenage years. years? Okay. early teenage years, I would say, like 12, 13, 14, uh-huh. around that time, and... Uh, yeah, it was like a creative camp, and you would like it was like creative writing. Cl- it was like creative writing class for kids, and I remember like just starting to make up stories. And um, I don't know if I had any inkling that they uh, being poems or yeah. even fiction or anything that lofty yet, but that's kind of when it started. Like, and also I, my my parents, my dad had some creativity and even as a history teacher. He's a creative for a history teacher. He would make up his own games. But the main, I, I would. We, he would tell we I would do puppet shows as a kid, and when my brother was born, we would do puppet shows and just make up stories with mm-hmm. whatever puppets we had. And, so,
0: these are these uh, um, interests were coming from mainly from comic books, or it seems like, or it seems they're more like novels. Well, the or? comic
1: books was my I developed that myself, but my parents yeah. read me a lot of mythological stories of like you know, Native American, Aztec, Mayan tales, maybe things that might have been inappropriate. My parents okay. would read me. Things that you know, because they're history teachers, they would read me some stories that were inappropriate for my age, but they thought were like a good you know building blocks for learning.
0: And you say inappropriate mean like kind of like maybe they had there was content of like there was a lot
1: of um you know symbolic sexual um stuff in these Aztec and Mayan tales about fertility and sexuality and. You know, or like, you know, tales related to him. They would read me, they read me the Ramayana, my dad read me like some children's picture book version of the Ramayana. Oh, cool. These things I became fascinated with, but some of the yeah. more adult versions of them oh, wow. might have yeah. been a little racy for interesting, my sake. Interesting, interesting, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. probably taught me more than, you know, like parents have that talk with you yeah. about sexuality or uh-huh. whatever, but... They have a trouble getting it out, even though they're both <laughs> teachers who are good communicators who speak in front of people all day. So then you learn from these things. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I also read. Uh, I see so different versions of the Romina and on the different Hindu myths, and uh, it's it's so interesting to like, uh, you know, be exposed to these at a young age. It set the foundation for where you're going later on. So for me and I think for, it seems like it for you as well. Yeah, so that's really great. And then so then you went into this. We're at the uh, threshold of. College or so, and then how did you get into? Uh, in, oh, uh, in
1: college, I my first year was at Stony Brook. That was sort of the compromise place because I didn't, I wasn't sure I wanted to be so far from home. Uh-huh. And uh, I started um, submitting. There was a literary journal at Stony Brook. Um, the, what I can't remember the paper now. I guess it was the Statesman, and uh, I would uh, write. I would send. It was sort of as a joke at first because I was a heavy metal kid. Yeah. And I lived in this dark basement room, and I would just you know listen to Tool and Metallica <laughs> and whatever else you can think of of that nature. And I would write these heavy metal ballad poems, and then I'd submit them to the the journal, and they accepted some of them. So that sort of got. I was like, oh, there, maybe there's something to this, you know? You mm-hmm. know, I'd write some poem that like about trains that inspired by a Megadeth song or something, you know. So how did you
0: transition from, like, you're, you're saying about the different uh, fandoms and such, and then you transition into the form of poetry? Like, what was the inspiration to go into the form of poetry?
1: Um, well, my parents had, there was, like, Allen Ginsberg, and my mom had this old book that her father had given her of Whitman poems that she treasured. And so that was, like, I kind of was into the beatniks just via that influence, Oh, because, uh, because of them. You know, Thust- yeah. Pete Seeger and all the folkies are not so far removed from that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so that's kind of how, that was my entryway into poetry because I wouldn't say there was a lot of other poetry otherwise besides like the usual suspects, usual classic suspects yeah. like Wordsworth or Coleridge and, you know, things they, people start you off at. Yeah, you know, as. Oh, good,
0: good. So you are saying about um, in college you started submitting stuff to you know, this death yeah. metal... Yeah, the um, the college cheap, newspaper.
1: They had a literary supplement, and I submitted to that. And um, it was really a lot. All the poems were really based on. They were anger-filled rants yeah. of my young angst, uh, <laughs> uh, heavy metal poems about you know whatever was bothering me or you know the world's against me yeah. or just you know the release it was a purging, a releasing of all those negative things, and to make to make something good out of it, you know. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was my like, oh, I'm creating something here, and people are actually reading it because people would say stuff to me about it, or the editors, or they would even if they were just making fun of me, they would respond yeah. to it. Good, and good. Uh, So that's you got that bug of like, oh, people are paying attention, I'm getting some recognition. Good, which good. Is often so the piece you,
0: you read, the piece you just read uh, at the beginning of the hour, um, also kind of I felt that kind of that feeling of like connecting with. Our, you know, we think of our. In previous episodes, we have talked about how we have these narratives that it's our personal acts and connecting with the the narrative of the, the community and the and the public. Acts. Right. You know, the, the frustration that we feel as a country, the frustration we feel as a yeah. as a whole. And I think that that the piece that we spoke to that kind of connecting our personal feelings with the uh, you know the narratives that we have in the public administration and things like that. No, so, definitely. Yeah
1: community is very important now and it's very di- it's very disparate. It's like it's hard to know where the community is and, and if like you know here we're having a conversation here and you don't like maybe a lot of time like you don't go out of the house. Yeah, you know, You're just like on these social media platforms talking to people and sharing and people can say whatever they want and they can say everything's hunky dory on their social media platform yeah. and it's not really reflective of reality. Yeah. So what's going on or they get so full of Anger, rightly so, of what's going on, and they use it to express that as a form of resistance or just uh, see me, hear me. This, this is what's going on. This is this is something needs to be done about
0: it. So, so it's so important to remember that you know, um, as it seems like we're discussing how. We're not alone in that. That's right. the whole community. Of people are right. going through. Some Writers often branding. feel yeah. that they're alone because yeah. they're
1: alone in the process of writing these pieces. Yeah. And maybe initially they're not thinking about it, even though I guess I do think about it, but more subconsciously first, and then later, yeah, <laughs> it comes out.
0: So later on, you end up doing the MFA, and yeah, um, at the you talk about how yeah. your craft has developed uh, through the MFA program or right. through the years. Yeah, well,
1: yeah. I, and um. Before that, I was sort of, like, I guess I would hit a sort of stagnant point, and I was like, it was sort of, I always wanted to do the MFA, but, you know, um, certain things like the cost and what value I would get out of it Mm -hmm. were somewhat elusive, and I decided that, that even though it was very expensive, like, having a community, like, once you get into, I was in my 30s, I'm one of the older students, not the oldest, but it's harder to make friends and maintain friendships or build new friendships. Mm-hmm. It's more like on you, you have to really put some effort into that because mm-hmm. people are, everyone's living their own lives and doing their own thing, yeah. you know. So I we I, I applied to the new school. I got on like their wait list and the first time, and then the second time I got in that I applied. And it just, it gave me some motivation. It made Like I was like being, okay, I'm getting some recognition here. Mm-hmm. I feel... Like, uh, like it's help it's helping me like to see that there's some value in my writing that someone thinks there's something there to mm-hmm. mind and that I should pursue this and uh, that that's you know that's a why you that's why you do these things and then you meet people from all different walks of life and all different ages and mm-hmm. cultures and um, you it, it's like you've established some of these at least um, friendships within the MFA program and go to readings and talk to your professors and get the feedback. And yeah, it definitely made my writing more, it, it concentrated, my, it made my writing more, it evolved my writing into what it is now. Yeah. And my just uh, a little, uh, like maybe it was um, t- very, everything was very long form and encouraged me to also have some shorter works and compress things and how to el- edit properly and eliminate unnecessary, like repetitive yeah. things that end up in so writing.
0: These first two poems are odes. So, um, can you talk a little bit about the the where they're coming from, or the, the manuscript or whatever? That yeah. yeah. Well,
1: this is connected to my reading series, Risk of Discovery reading series, and um, uh, I started this thing where I make up poetry prompts, which mm-hmm. is something that professors also did, but they did it in a more like you're going to write this sonnet, you're going to write this thing called the terza rima, you're going to write um, uh, villanelle, whatever you can think of, like in the actual forms. And I've done those. I've done those two, and I've copied poets. But I just decided, okay, let me. I'm going to make up my own prompts, hand them out at the reading, Mm -hmm. and then I would do them. But like one, the one that there's one coming up, and I'm going to make up my own prompts. Then I'm going to do them myself, and then I'm going to read them unedited, raw, at the reading. And I encourage people to do that themselves. And I'm often surprised. There's some really good writers that come, and they just do it off the top, off the cuff, and it's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So that also is like that's good. That's another way to connect them build community in my readings kind of a small space so it's intimate
0: yeah so i'm saying you have also a a compilation of of different odes and yeah i gathered all of these
1: odes a lot of them Mm -hmm. that came from the prompts i wrote for the reading series and i decided this would this would be a way to organize like i've you know taken a class on man how to do manuscripts with a, a poet at the new school and They were trying to teach you how to organize a manuscript, and Mm -hmm. it's somewhat elusive as a poet, how to organize a manuscript. Mm -hmm. And and like, even when you've had like, oh, you know, 15 of them have been published in journals, but these, some of them recently are getting published in journals, but I, yeah, I decided like Odes was a good way to organize a manuscript, like, like, even if they're not, they're thematically connected. They are, it happens Mm -hmm. to be. So, Mm -hmm. but I was like, Odes are a good way, like that's a relatable, Mm. And it's like, it's like a song in a certain way, mm. it has a lyrical element to it, a Neruda, you know, it harkens to Neruda, of course, yeah. and uh, even though I was like, I'm not writing Neruda odes, but...
0: Yeah, uh, so it's like, just for the audience, like, um, if you just go over what an ode is, and like, what, what is the, uh... Well, it's just it, like, you, know, you right?
1: basically, when you, odes don't, are a, a type of free verse, and, um, they don't necessarily have to have any, like, A, B, A, B structure, um, you're pretty free to do what you want, but they usually concentrate on like a specific subject, mm-hmm. or like a sub- per- like person, place, or thing, or subject. Although I feel free to break the rules if I can make mm-hmm. it work within the context of the poem, like addressing or duct- a yeah, dressing, like you know, yeah. Ode to an Apple, Ode yeah. to Grecian Urn. Sure, yeah. They're very sometimes like the old ones were very classical and Greek oriented. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Yeats and uh, um, yeah so th- i thought it was a good simplistic way for me who writes these complicated very dense yeah. works
0: it also reminds me of uh you know william carlos williams uh, saying that no ideas but in things the idea of grounding these larger philosophies in- into specific you know um, images or, or you know right to ground them in these kinds of things and then uh, move from there into the more lo- lofty right. ideas. I uh, often
1: then often me giving I give I think giving myself assignments is a good way to make me mm-hmm. like ground me because yeah. my mind is all over the place yeah. and I have trouble concentrating a little bit of ADD yeah. so I, that's why I have that morning routine of yeah. writing whatever whether it's five minutes or twenty minutes I write in my notebook and I just concentrate on what I'm doing. And it just like I was like oh Odes oh, this is a way to org- this is an organizing principle for yeah. me because otherwise like when I just throw a bunch of haphazard poems into a collection together whether they relate or not and you send that out you're not gonna you may not get the response yeah pe- you can tell when people people are gonna respond they're like oh I like this yeah. this is all like very uh, you know like linear in the sense that like oh these are odes. I can relate to this. Mm. It's like, yeah. if you wrote, like when people do collections, The poets, major poets have done collections of sonnets maybe later in their career.
0: Yeah, You so really, liked that. Yeah, I liked how um, even one of the poems you read, one of the ones you um, had written in the, in the manuscript about, uh, you know, and even the one you read about using the symbol of, like, the wall or, or another one, uh, the television going on, blaring on, and how it's just a simple um, thing, but it, it gives you an inroad into the commercial culture, into the kind of consumerist culture, into right. the kind of culture that that, that feeds, that is, that is fed by these kinds of symbols, and uh, um, and how in, in your own life, how you have kind of glimpsed at this larger, you yeah, um, know, I mean, experiences kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. All we yeah, and I'm
1: consumed by these things just as much as anyone else, mm-hmm. although I try not to let it go to obsessive lengths, like, yeah. you know, just like always on my phone. There's yeah. been periods when I've been on there too much, yeah. and should not be. As a writer, I don't always think it's healthy, yeah. but I use it to promote my reading, and um, oh, I'm just often commenting, I often use the newspaper, like even with the poetry prompts. Another thing I do with the poetry prompts for the reading series is um, I use the, like I get the Sunday Times, New York Times every weekend, and uh, I will take headlines and phrases and whatever and turn them into poems or titles of poems or I or like get the list of words, like use these five words yeah. in this 14 line poem, do not rhyme. You know, like very specific instructions and it's yeah. just, I find it helpful.
0: It's good inside, because I think a lot of uh, readers kind of have this feeling that, or this idea that I've encountered, that free verse is like free reign, but actually, you know, free verse has the, the poet kind of sets the restrictions and has, allows and kind of plays with them right. those restrictions. Right. So, like, by allowing the poet, the poet can kind of restrict themselves. Yeah, you know? even these Twitter yeah. poets who mm-hmm. seem
1: like they're writing Hallmark verse and were very um, dismissive of them. Mm-hmm. They have, there's a, they're doing something, they're, they're doing something, and they're sending, there's actually very specific messages mm. in those poems, even though they're yeah. very, they're seemingly very simple. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not I mean, just like, you know, they're Twitter poets, maybe, but yeah. there's not just, like, an accident.
0: And a lot of the poets that become, like, super popular today, like, right. uh, Rupi Cure and her right. book, you know, are very, like, you know, basic as far as their, you know, presentation, but they have a complexity and theme. Right. And like, I may not be yeah. my thing, yeah. but
1: I can see what it would appeal. Oh, it appeal to and people, it's yeah. very, like, it has a young... I would see how it would have a young adult appeal. Like yeah, this exactly. raw emotions just there on the page, and uh, you don't necessarily... There's no, that's a way, another way to get people interested in poetry. Maybe if they read her, they'll go to... You know, yeah. it's not... Poetry isn't popular in America. America is not an intellectual... It's somewhat an anti-intellectual country, so the poetry world is very like reclusive and small seemingly but like it always people whenever there's some one of these horrible tragic incidents that keep happening people it's always a poem people are always going to read a poem come back to that there's a
0: perception of that that uh it's, some, it's something that connects with the human experience something that uh, yeah. wellspring of right. ability to investigate right you know so right. at least you have that so what, what are you looking at now uh is there any other formats or forms that you're kind of investigating at this time, or? I mean, I'm still doing the odes, and I'm, like,
1: I have a notebook filled of new work that I was exploring other things, and I'm, I'm always interested in trying to find some creative ways to write about the personal without, uh, like, invoking specific things. Mm-hmm. Just personal experience going on. It's just, you know, some of the things are, they're somewhat, they can be somewhat, um, mundane, but just, you know, debt and, uh, Income inequality and just the struggle in this country, especially now with the current administration, of uh, for mm. the arts. The arts wasn't like it wasn't like the arts was supported so greatly before under the previous administration. But the attitude was much more positive, and uh, and like you know they cared about the arts. They showed up for the arts. They wanted to know those people in the, the celebrities, comedians, actors, writers, and um, this you know. This current administration seems very anti,
0: they're anti-intellectual, and yeah. um seems to in uh, the country and all in, right. in general. That you know, there's been a movement towards kind of there's always a, uh, forces that kind of move towards trying to you know there's a balancing you know, yeah the yeah force kind of back and forth back and forth no definitely or you know, so the country seems yeah now like we know. have
1: this this yeah. administration kind of exposing all of the problems with yeah. the with our capitalist democratic system mm-hmm. and it sort of poking holes in it, and yeah. it's bleeding right now, because uh-huh. it's, they're, you know, what, how, what they want to do, or whatever their purpose behind it uh-huh. is evil. Yeah, so we see, I
0: also see that narrative with the media not kind of going along with it, or kind of resisting the idea that since is not, you know, um, embracing Trump, and these this is a very much a uh, conflict between Trump and the media. So now we're starting to expose the idea that, um, you know, as you were saying about the narratives of uh, how um, you know exposing the idea that the um, Trump administration is uh, showing or kind of showing how these threads of anti-intellectualism yeah. have been there present all right. along. Right. You know? I mean, he was on TV, yeah.
1: but it doesn't mean he he only cared about himself on TV. Yeah. Sort of ego driven, and like of course writing is ego driven too. But I don't know. It's just. Right now, because of what's going on, I can't ignore these things that are happening to I can't just write. Um, yes, I've, write, I've written poems about my guinea pigs, yeah. but I can't write like just like poems that are only. It's like about sunshine and flowers yeah. and rainbows, unless it's esca- even when I'm trying to escape. Yeah. These the darker things will creep in. I do about see what's that. I do on. see just that. About before, just the yeah. struggle to live and yeah. have decent health care and take care of. Uh, family and yourself and mm-hmm. mentally and physically yeah. and just and, and pursue your art. Yeah. And I do and see that in
0: the, in the poetry that you're looking at uh, seeing a ground image or a ground image and then you're, you're then seeing your peripheral vision, you know, all these other stuff that's going on emotionally, psychologically, and, and community. Yeah. So I think it's effective in right. that, you know? There's a but, term but like I
1: came up with when I was, I, I think I wrote a poem called this, but someone in the new school, told me that my poems were, I don't know, like, they were about something, like, the culmination of all things. Mm-hmm. That, that's, like, a collection, like, that's maybe a future yeah. collection I will write, the culmination of all things. Yeah. That a lot of my poems are just, they're, like, especially the way they end, it's always, there's, like, an ending of, you know, either, I guess there's some apocalyptic element to that, or just, yeah. like, how everything, that's everything going. it has an ending, and everything will end, and... But if, if, you know, if you want the ending that you want, you have to fight for that. Ending. Yeah. And also, the
0: apocalyptic mean, like, the unveiling of showing the true nature of the yes. thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: First poem I'm going to read, Ode to the TV being on all night. If you stay up late enough, you will see the infomercials selling you face creams, lenders, handguns, and anything else they can hawk, display, demonstrate, if you leave the TV on all night, you become the TV. You will buy blankets that envelop your entire body. Your eyes start glowing like zombies, dripping neon drool and blood hunger. Even so, you will purchase that special nonstick egg pan if the TV is on all night as background noise, a night lift. The infomercials infiltrate your subconsciousness, the lighting and or hurting your pleasure centers.
0: Thank you, Andy. So I think it's really great the way that you're able to look at um society and culture and, and find the humor in it i think that's really great and find the through wordplay and through specifically in the first poem you read um the ability to kind of find this kind of joy and like you know it's kind of a painful subject you know they think uh first uh first tragedy that uh, first tragedy than farce right i think it was a uh, there's something i think um it was a philosopher zizak who said that uh 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 about first, and the first. So we think of things that as you know, painful first, and then we find the humor in it. Yeah, definitely. So,
1: yeah. As you go on, like there's, you know, everyone has painful incidents in their yeah. childhood that they are able to joke about sometimes, and yeah. uh, it, it, you know, that forms you as a person that you, you can you can have humor in from these dark places and share it with others mm. and build a, you know, build friendships and love and community that way.
0: Yeah, because it's really, uh, we, we, uh, we connect through the ability to kind of, uh, you know, we, to look light, you know, through the yeah. lightness. Not through yeah, the, the, I mean, and you know. I
1: write for joy, and yeah. maybe at times when I was younger, I wrote, it was sort of an angst. It was a really even when it was I re- uh, was to release negative emotions, mm-hmm. it was for a positive purpose. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, it was to, you know, uh, you know kind of build confidence in myself and joy and that I could create some, something for myself and share it with uh, maybe share it with others that might relate
0: yeah i mean i think that uh, as we were talking a little bit in the second half of the last section it's like you know we think about you know a lot of the narratives about whether we're living in oligarchy without this concentration of power how how that's happening and then the knee-jerk reaction is to get angry and to be very angry and i think trying to find places where we can we can learn about how to Prevent these things, you know. Continue to live in democracy, but at the same time, finding the um, kind of the not being so dark, you know, right? I'm finding the it. silver lining yeah.
1: and what we can do with yeah. our art to bring things to light, to mm-hmm. bring the truth to light, and whether it's our truth or other our interpretation of, of truth or other people's truth, mm-hmm. and expose it, you know, in mm-hmm. the air and. And just um write about it and write about topics that are we're passionate about and we want
0: people to know. Yeah, connecting the ability to uh, understand, you know, what our experiences and what the you know, so many, so many times you see the spinning, you know, it's spinning that oh it's not this, it's that. This kind of magician act and right. the in the media that their point, their misdirection. Yeah. You know, Destruction. That you know? can be
1: very, it's very exhausting, and the mm-hmm. constant alerts on your phone yeah. are very exhausting, and just like everything's an emergency, yeah. and everything's about to be destroyed, mm-hmm. and um,
0: the fear politics, yeah. Yeah,
1: things aren't for everyone, like not everyone, does, like, you know, you gotta lift yourself up by your bootstraps, all that mm-hmm. nonsense, and mm-hmm. just uh, the separate, you know, just this, the wide gap, that, the separation of the classes that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. in america we tend to not recognize
0: yeah, the economic classes and how uh, we think that people in economic situations that are difficult or it's like it's their fault placing the blame victim blaming you know yeah really yeah. yeah let's go back to circle back to uh, a little bit more of your influences now and what you're reading now and what's kind of informing here yeah um, well seat. i
1: like i try to like I, I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, I only read the dead poets. There's yeah. people I know that are quite like that. They only read, like like I said before, Coleridge, Yeats, Wordsworth, mm-hmm. um, Byron, Rambeau. And yes, those are great. Bottle, um, I'd say some of my early influences of my own were in terms of the heavy metal poets that I consider heavy metal poets that are mm-hmm. from that old canon are the Edgar Allan, obviously Edgar Allan Poe and Baudelaire. I'd say mm-hmm. those, they really informed that because they wrote about very gritty, dark almost drug- addled yeah. uh, street life you know yeah. that was very uh, like that's they, they wrote about things that were maybe verboten they, verboten at that time that they wrote about these very dark things and uh, but I try to keep up with like I like to read the living poets mm-hmm. and like I just read this book um, that I got from the library called uh, um, calling a wolf a wolf by Kava Akbar and he's a poet, he's a young poet um, of, uh, I believe, Lebanese origin. And uh, he's writing about his, it uh, the, the focuses on his addiction. And that was a really innovative and interesting, like a very uh, honest poetry, but also joyful. Mm-hmm. Like not just the pain of his recovery, but the joy of it as well from that addiction. And uh, just, you know, yeah, his writing, he comes off as a much older Person, mm-hmm. he's gotten very, he's gotten a lot of prominence, you yeah. know. And uh, when I start when I started reading poetry and going to a lot of readings, I was reading, let's say, the mainstream people I was reading maybe were like Yusef Komanyaka, mm-hmm. Marie Howe. Um, uh, I read this poet Lucy brock Breudeau, who I also studied with at uh, a writing uh, writing conference. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes. She was a she was a, she's one of these poets that writes very a lot of her poems were, early poems were about Emily Dickinson, and Emily Dickinson's letters, Mm -hmm. and then it sort of um, evolved as you went along, but she's very addicted to, like, these old, old language and old words that may not be, like, old-timey words that may not be used as much, but trying to figure out how to incorporate that into the modern society, and it's just, it's very stylized, Yeah, and she's, but, and, like, we would, she would often steal from us. From the class's poems put into her own poems. Oh yeah. Because we'd be like, oh, why don't you like? You gotta write more under your your works. Not under we can't understand your work yeah. for the most part. It's very abstract, and uh, then and she was just yeah, we'd find her. She'd read some poem at some reading at the conference, and then we'd be like, oh, she just took like she took one of our words, and, <laughs> and we didn't think about it as theory yeah. at that time. Yeah. We were like flattered.
0: Yeah. But
1: so, um, it, I yeah, there was a, I mean I read. A, I read a lot. I mean, I read a lot of novels too. Yeah. I'm reading The Sympathizers right now. That novel. Um, I read. A lot, I read sci-fi, or, but there's sci-fi by this. Uh, 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 I can't remember the name of the author not, But I'm reading the second book of uh, this series. Um, the three. The Three Body. I think it's called the Three Body Problem, and it's uh, called uh, Dark Forest. Um, so I read other things than po- poetry. Sometimes I dabble in fiction, but haven't been able to sustain.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a big challenge to I the, quite enough yeah, to, to follow the formula and uh, to kind of follow that whole art. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: but I read a lot, I try to read, like, or, you know, when I have poets in my reading series, I try to read some, at least their work online. If I can't quite mm-hmm. buy, if I can't manage to buy their book, I read, I, or I get it from their publisher, I, try, I will read some of their work online, good, and good. I get a lot of um, older poets who have been in the community who like have read things like Great Weather for Media and the Parkside Lounge readings and are part of these groups and uh, I bring them on and um, you know everywhere from a Charles Bukowski style to a surreal jokey style.
0: Yeah I I noticed uh, you do a lot of kind of this wordplay and the ability to kind of uh, infuse in your work um, uh, a rhythm and a kind of a How would you say? How would you phrase that, or how would you say about kind of the ability to? Uh, there's definitely music. I guess music. that's the yeah. that's my music. Yeah. Like,
1: I mean, it's like it's definitely not like heavy metal anymore. Yeah. It's very. It's sort of like. Um, there's a point A, and then there's a point B. Um, yeah. uh, we start here. We start with the word populism, and we end on the word crime, like mm. that kind of thing. We're leading somewhere, and it's just like I sort of organically as I write. Like, I'm, or when I'm, like, let's say I'm pulling headlines from the New York Times and creating a poem out of that, I'll create a, uh, from just the word, from words, random words put together, um, I, uh, it'll, I'll just, uh, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for, like, yeah. these, the, like, does this sound right together? It's like yeah. a song. Like, is, there's, I want, if the, is the music right? Is yeah. it too awkward? Like, try to, I try, to, I try not to, you know, like, Yusuf Kamayaka has a pet peeve. He doesn't like to use the word that yeah. in any poems much. He he's one of his things yeah. is he uses that ampersand for the word and yeah. a lot so he's yeah like so everyone's got to find whatever yeah. works for them but yeah I try to I try to have this sort of music line per line and probably some of that's from my play that I do with forms like Pantoon Villanelle mm-hmm. where there's like I love those those particular forms are great because they're all repetition yeah. so they're very much like a song Yeah. there's you know like where there's a the stanza and the you know just in, in the ballads where the lines repeat. Yeah,
0: I think most of writers know, so but for those who don't, um, you know, a lot of readers think you, know, you just read a poem and not recite it. You know, I think it's so important to be able to hear those um, the sound of the words and how they relate with each other. To, be able to read out loud, you know, and I think yeah. that's important. I so definitely far. read but, you know, my
1: work yeah. to myself out yeah. loud. I sometimes record it, uh-huh. but like. Not as much as I used to. I did that for a little bit so I could hear how they sounded, but I just like, I read it to myself and see how it sounds in my head first, and then I read it out loud. And then I, you know, and even then later, we miss stuff, yeah. like awkward pauses, oh, yeah. this this doesn't sound right anymore yeah. when I read it now. Like, just it could be just a matter of like, one word too many, or this mm. should end here, or yeah. it doesn't follow into the next line. Uh, the new school, actually, because of one of the professors at the new school, um, he really helped me with my um, essay writing, for example, but also in my poetry. Just, like, recognize where your line breaks are. Like, when you read it, and if it sounds like that word should be in the next line, put it in the next line. Because yeah. it's just, you're, when your reader is reading it, it's going to they're going to read it differently than you, no matter what. Yeah. So you have to know, like, pay attention to where the line breaks are. Yeah, it's so amazing
0: how in poetry they're there are so many little uh, alleyways of, of things that aspects of the craft that you know we can go down and, and get lost in it's like where to line break where to you know how to play with rhyme or how to right. like play with repetition and each one can take uh Years of, of just focus on. You Whenever know? obsessed enough yeah. as a writer, some
1: writers yeah. so obsessed they just like that poem's been gestating for ten <laughs> years, and I just yeah. found it again, and yeah. I went back to it and found something in it. In it, even though I thought it was a piece of crap back yeah. in the day, and just like yeah. I, you turned it into something. Yeah. There's That's lots true. of poets who do that. Like yeah. I don't know if I'm quite that obsessive. I my process was kind of slow, and I've tried to speed it up mm. because in terms of like you know I want I want to have a book, and I want to get uh, more mm. poems published. So. I'm not trying to be a hermit, yeah. hiding in my apartment. I want, to be, I want people. I want to share it. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I have the reading series. That's the exactly. community exactly. I'm building, of sharing my work.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of readers they they don't realize that you know I think that um, you know when they when they recite the words and they they kind of don't just read off the page, but they go to these readings, they listen to poets read their work. There's just so much more impact, you know that. People who tell me oh, I'm poetry or whatever, I'm like, you know, you have, to, you have to take the time to, you know, it's a little bit more, it's different with When, when with you're alive and with people yeah. that you feel it, you feel the it's energy, much better. Yeah. You can listen to it on audio,
1: you can watch video, you can yeah. do all sorts of things now, but it, the experience of being at a reading, whether it's at a bar or the 9th, Street Y, or whatever it is, mm. it's, there's an intimacy of hearing it because you just hear the poet being the poet. Some poets are good readers, some poets aren't good readers, but even so... you're you're hearing it from their mouth and it's going to sound a certain way and you know I try not to one of my things that I try not to do is I try not to like even though like people make too much of a deal of this online in the poetry discussion boards but Mm -hmm. poetry speak now I try not to read like I'm a bad actor yeah there is a style that I read in or sometimes I'll I'll uh, put more emphasis when I'm reading on things and I'm very loud yeah but I, I try to just read as myself, uh-huh. not unless you know, not unless I'm like my poems. i uh, I'm writing as a character, yeah, and I'm trying to be that character.
0: But, there are yeah. two. There are two movies that came out. I think last year. I think it was. Or I'm not sure. If it was last year, or the year before. But Naruda and um, Patterson. Yeah, Patterson. That, Patterson came out last year. I think Naruda also Adler, came out the yeah. same year. So. You know, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just I have to, I have to, have to, see to see it, see it but, but yeah. it's just interesting how this kind of thing happens. I wanted to see it, and I yeah. often, like, it was Jarmusch so yeah. I
1: wanted to see it, and I, yeah. I know it got criticism, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm often here, but I, I don't think any movie I've ever seen about a poet, whether yes. it's uh, James Franco paying Alan Ginsberg <laughs> or, you know,
0: like,
1: that has gotten good reviews. I don't yeah. know. Very
0: rare. This movie, I think, was very good. It was, it was, I think it was by the same director who did uh, Jackie. So Jackie and Neruda came out. Together and they did a bi- did the biopics on on oh, both biopic. of them. Oh, yeah. right, okay. So I'm not sure who the director was. It, it was someone. These are documentaries. Yeah, uh, so. it was like no, it was a documentary, but it was like but Jackie and, uh uh Jackie and the came out by the same director. I remember, but okay, yeah, and it was kind of bi- similar. They Also biopic. Bi- biopics, yeah, right. biopics, right. yeah. So um and then also Patterson was really great about uh you know similar kind of theme that uh, Bus Driver. That was totally kind of fictional, where a bus driver who is uh, a It's a little, bit in, the, a poet, it's a little yeah. bit
1: in the Bukowski, yeah. he was a postal worker vein. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Right. Yeah. There are poets that, like, still fit into, or they're not quite, they don't quite fit into categories. Like, there's a poet I really like, August Kleinhauser, and he, um, I think he, he has collections of poems, like, recently that, like, um, one of my professors is a friend with him, but he, uh, poems are about San Francisco, he has mm-hmm. ones that focus on, I guess, when he lived in camp. I don't know where he lives now. I think he lives in San Francisco, and then a poem is about New Jersey. Uh-huh. Like, he just released these two, these two simultaneous collections. I don't know if they were gathered from current poems he currently wrote, but he is very gritty work of poems about uh, real things, the working class. A little bit in the Philip Levine mode, but um, more, like, image-based and gritty... Like, uh, you know, um, visceral, maybe more visceral mm. in that mm. sense. Yeah. I mean, it's philosophical too, but Philip is very philosophical. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's very specific about, the, at a certain point, even though when he got older, that changed. Uh huh. Because, you know, no more factories and the, not as much for him to write about in that vein. Yeah. As he just was a professor
0: and teaching. Yeah. So in your own work, um, you ground a lot of times in your experience. So, if you talk a little bit more about how your um, uh, experiences have informed civic poems, or um, kind of like, um,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, well, working, um, working at the, I've, you know, I've worked in a bookstore, I worked in publishing briefly, I work at the library. The library, the library is a very, it's just the, the library is the world. Yeah. Like you meet all sorts of people there, whether you want to or not, and um, it's very interesting. You know, you get to talk to all sorts of different people and all sorts of different people. We have all these different collections and. Um, people tell you their opinions, whether you ask them or not, or their life story. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes often, so yeah. one of my jokes is that like, there's people that I could write their autobiography. Yeah, like, the autobiography of Mr. Yeah. J- you know, whatever, Mr. Jones, yeah. whatever. And like, yeah. I know way too much about them because they've shared that. They've shared whatever their story or their trauma or whatever, positive or negative. They shared things with me. And this, like that. That's, as a librarian, you're you're you're. They're asking you for information. They're asking you to help them with practical things, learning English, you know, um, taking tests, uh, school, whatever, whatever it is. So you you learn a lot. You know, you learn a lot of things about people and the human condition. Because mm-hmm. the you know people come into the library. I have a poem that's about the library from the other collection that i have trying to get published, which is called Modern Times. And that poem's called Refuge, and that was a very uh, yeah one inco- of the poem, poem that poem. collection that my professor was like, "This is yeah. like this is the uh, heart of your
0: work." Yeah, that one also struck me on your SoundCloud uh, yeah. page, so if people are interested can check that out, go to that page, and, yeah, and check out Refuge, and I had a lot of uh, information about or a lot of images of how. The people that, the library's their voice, the library's their yeah. heart and soul. Right. And that know? poem was we'll yeah. trying to concentrate you know, on the positive things, because yeah. there's obviously, it's,
1: it's a job, yeah. and there's pressures and yeah. things that exhaust you, yeah. just customer service. Yeah, that's the customer service industry you, in libraries is different than other things, because it's not profit-based, but it's mm. still some of the same,
0: yeah, same, demands, with, yeah, same demands that you have same to same meet, demand, yeah. or
1: try to meet, even so, though... You're not sure you always meet them.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I definitely experienced similar kind of struggles. So, um, so you have the the, the first kind of moving you have with the the work and the and the struggles you had with work, and then uh, now you have like the the odes. Where uh, where what, 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 where where do you think you're kind of moving towards? Yeah, I'm
1: not sure where I'm. I'm not sure where I'm going next. I just sort of like lately because, like you know, as a writer, you're the. I mean, I work in the library all day, so I'm always around people. Although, but as a writer, it's your sort of it's your you very insular life, and it's just based, Some of it's based on what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Um, some, you know, like a lot of these themes that end up in there that I'm obsessed about. Big bro- like uh, when observed by towering eyes, you know, big brother, people are looking down on you. Um, there's all these problems, and am I going to fall prey to hopelessness and negativity? Sometimes I do, and I have mm-hmm. to. Pull myself out of it or have my family and loved ones help pull me out of it mm-hmm. and incorporate that into the writing. And sometimes it, my writing may reflect what I'm, what's in the paper or uh, that because I use that for the poetry prompts, but sometimes it's just I'm writing a free verse poem in the morning about drinking my coffee and just whatever comes into my head, uh, my guinea pigs being crazy running around in circles, mm-hmm. uh, bouncing around ask, waiting to be fed. You know, just, like, the simpler things that yeah. people like to hear in poems from some of the more mainstream poets like the Billy Collins of the yeah. world that have, you know, that not everyone likes but is accessible, quote-unquote. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, it's just, like, I don't, yeah, I don't know if there's a... I, I have to think of a subject matters in which to concentrate, like, next collections of poems around. Mm-hmm. There are definitely... Like, I've always been interested in the industrial complex and the death of that. Yeah. In, I, you know, when I, I made a little film with friends, like, a long time ago, friends who worked in the library, I made a little movie where I wrote, like, dialogue, poetic dialogue for the characters to say, and we, would, we went to all these industrial sites in Long Island City mm-hmm. and others, or on Vernon Boulevard, and filmed, like, that backdrop of the Con Ed factory and all that. And we made a little, and I made a little movie. And I maybe I'd like to do something like that again. Mm. Um, uh, like I thought of doing a podcast of my own, but I'm not sure. It's Just like this, somewhat time consuming. And then, mm. would I want to do my reading series? Yeah. And I, and, uh, I sometimes yeah, I get ideas from all walks of life, but probably the obsessions I have now are the obsessions that will remain. I sometimes I I flirted with the idea. I had these poems in the modern times. Um, one was called Aquarius, mm-hmm. and uh, it was. Um, and one was called Birth, Birth of Birth of my, Birth of My Nation, mm-hmm. or just Birth. And it was. It was a creative way of writing about like uh, retelling the story accurately or inaccurately. I don't know if it matters in my mind of where I, my origins of my creation. Mm-hmm. Like I would. I would. I would like at some point. It's hard to write these things when you're younger. You need yeah. more time to reflect on some of these things of writing a poem about where I come from and my family and maybe, like, picking my parents' brains at, at, so that I, like, some family history and lore oh, good. to fuel yeah. those things.
0: That's really great. And I think that, um, you know, ultimately it seems like seems to me that your obsessions about the public narrative and the, and the difficulty in kind of connecting those two have probably come through where you have, like, and all your work—it seems like you have a connection between the personal and the private, and the public space. So, right. So probably the, all these narratives is—I uh, think this—the building of this this podcast has been seems to have been the momentum seems to have been a lot of the speakers that there is no real private space. as we think about our story and we think about the interaction between right. our story and the community story. Definitely, so, and we live in yeah. a
1: very individual, ego-oriented society, and yeah. it's about making money, and it's about like the definition of success is very narrow mm. and so a lot of people are left yeah. out in the cold with that yeah. and um, I'm not a, I don't know I'm, I wish I had business acumen I would yeah. love to but it would, yeah. someone would need to invest
0: in me yeah. and manage <laughs> that uh, two previous uh, speakers uh, on the podcast the first one Poetry of Economics brings, brings up brought up points about how uh, brought up similar points about how the um, not having narrow definition of success and uh, we were right. talking about how you know the phantom of like if we're defining ourselves by material or what benchmarks all these all these things that society tells us we're supposed to be right. defining so we're all just and, bullshit. And as you get older, you know? they just like I you know, know it's
1: a cliche, but it ends mm. up becoming these objects become meaningless. Yes, mm. you need them to a certain degree mm. and you want them to a certain degree, but like sort of the fl- the flashiness and the sparkly shininess of them mm. wears off, and mm. you're just sort of left with this kind of gray like drabness, and you have to generate your own joy you have to in some you know just like for what is in the world and nature and mm. art and people you know and love um whatever the troubles are
0: yeah you have to also, yeah. find that exactly and also we had the crash shaman on a uh, writer jessica hines who talked about replacing judgment with curiosity i think that's also kind of the theme of this yeah. thing, kind of getting curious about what are these states of mind we're in it right. what are the states of mind the community is in
1: right and yeah. like well I don't know like another theme I sometimes explore in my writing along with the Big Brother theme is just like the bosses of it all yeah and um, that might be from a Lars von Trier movie title but I don't know if that's accidental but <laughs> it, it just it, there's just like whether you're a boss or under a boss mm. whatever range of society you are whatever where you are in the class system We live in a very bullying world, and yes, sometimes we need to toughen up, and sometimes Mm. we need to fight back, but sometimes there's not a way to do that. Or, Mm. like, we don't see it. Like, how do we stop this behavior, whether it's in our own work environment, or in our family, or, you know, friendships where that, like, controls us? You know, and then writing, I can control this world. This is my Mm -hmm. world. I can control it. It's on the page. I do Mm -hmm. what I want there. Um, Yes, things influence it, but it's in my. It's of the the mind. And we don't. I don't know if we live in a society that entirely values the mind or the delicacy of it Mm. in terms of just like because mental. You know, like a lot of artists and writers I know challenges with um, their mind mentally and. The mental illness is prevalent in our society and we don't really seem to want to help people. Yeah. We want to... The
0: compassion element is yeah. lacking sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. empathy. Yeah. It's just like us oh, having yeah. this
1: conversation and is is great and having this dialogue because it's like we can talk about these things in an empathetic way and uh, from our own point of view and not
0: judge yeah. how other people are doing things. This is all very connected to the themes the show the truth to power right. show being like finding you know, in order to really understand the nature of power and understand how it influences and impacts the individuals who are, you know, in those positions of power, we have to know what truth is and what our yeah, personal what truth is. what does that mean yeah. yeah. Because yeah. Like,
1: become, it's become so cloudy. It's like static yeah. it's on the television. I'm just like, yeah. like, got like, got the, there I know what the truth is. Yes, so. I, I ultimately yeah. know what the truth is, but do other people? Yeah. What are they willing to accept as the truth? Yeah. So do they question or do, are they just, everyone's in their little bubbles and their corners yeah. with their fisticuffs mm. and ready to jump out and point fingers. Yeah. And sometimes so like they have a reason, they have legitimate reasons to point fingers at things that need to be brought to light to, but other times it's just either to distract or they only want to reinforce this very narrow point that they yeah. have from their very narrow like consolidating
0: their power by uh, spinning things in certain ways. Right. You know, know, whether they've been caught that way like, yeah. or
1: whether they're um, so. conning, con artist, uh, mm. P.T. Barnum. I guess.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's an ongoing struggle and hopefully yeah. we'll be able to make some headway then uh, the new new art and all this kind of stuff. So, thanks so much and we'll close out the interview. Uh, if you have any closing thoughts, those will just... Uh,
1: um Just... I want to talk about... I want to mention my real yeah, series, we'll but then, yeah. just, um you know... We need to all be together as artists and writers, and especially in a time like this, to resist um, these unjust changes that are happening, mm-hmm. and um, hold so we can hold each other up and our art, and um, in order to help others and uh, have empathy for each other, and but make it con- do take concrete action at the same time. Yeah, and having that
0: balance between kind of understanding. Empathy and... Creation and and and, action. um, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, um,
1: yeah, so i just going to throw a little plug for my reading series. It's uh, every third Tuesday of the month, and it's called the Risk of Discovery Reading Series. You can find it on Facebook at ROD Reading Series or Risk of Discovery Reading Series if you search. And um, my Twitter handle is at RiskMZ. And um, uh, there's, you know one coming up this even though people won't hear about this they can like look at the pictures later we have Richard Jeffrey Newman coming up and then uh, poets like Sarah Sarai and uh, Laurie uh, writer Laurie Stone and a bunch of others that I have booked in the future yeah
0: I think it's so important I think if one takeaway again here is going to a reading series will dramatically change your view of poetry Right, those people who are On the fence, they're not so into poetry. Going to reading series will help you understand poetry. Yeah, and um, it's at a venue. It's called Blue Cups in
1: Woodside, Queens. It's you can find it on my event page. Great,
0: thanks so much, and definitely I encourage people to go there. Thanks Thanks for having me on, and uh, you. you just finished listening to the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, VJR Nathan. You can follow me on Facebook at VJR Nathan Poet or on Twitter. My handle is truth to Power Show. If you'd like to support Radio Free Brooklyn, please go to radiofreebrooklyn.com backslash donate. Also, if you'd like to sponsor the show, go to radiofreebrooklyn.com backslash truth to power Your donations are very valuable to us. Really appreciate your support. Please continue to t- tune in every Thursday at 9 a.m., and check the schedule for rebroadcast times. And if you'd like to be a guest on Truth to Power Show, please write to truth show at gmail.com. Taking us out is Stephen Rembles, Bistro Fada. <laughs>